When we're kids, we wonder about everything. The whole world is full of wonder. The stars at night as we look up from the backyard, dreaming up adventures. The little white-capped waves and what's underneath them as we look out from the beach. The blimp floating overhead at your first Major League Baseball game. The window washer, 20 stories up, hanging on the side of a glass building. And how that middle lever works, you know, when the vanilla and chocolate ice cream magically becomes swirl. The world is full of wonder. And that's what we'll be talking about in this episode of Wake Up Call. Today, I'm joined by Stormy Schweitzer, Trisha Previtt, and Heather Roberts. I'm David Allen Moss. Thanks for joining me. I'm Thomas Fox with Creative Mornings Cleveland. We're thrilled to have Evergreen Podcasts on board as our official podcast partner. Evergreen Podcasts is committed to producing the best original content and engaging shows. Right now, you're listening to Wake Up Call, recorded on location at the monthly Creative Mornings Lecture Series. Enjoy. We let ourselves play. I think as adults, we, we sort of have relegated play and imagination to things of childhood. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times people have told me in my life, oh, get real or grow up or, you know. And for me, I, that, would, that would kill me. Like, it would kill my spirit to do that. Get real. The polar opposite of wonder. The two words that take us from our childlike vigor and crash us into adulthood, but not for Stormy Schweitzer. Stormy's experience with wonder, her practice of wonder, and even her study of the phenomenon of wonder. It all started with a run along the foothills of the Ochre Mountain Range in Salt Lake City. I, I think I was just, I was in a period of my life where I just was I was emotionally flat really. And, and when you're in that state of mind, you don't really see beauty. You don't really see possibility. And something spoke to me in an article I read that day um, about running. And, and I knew it was something that I had been in a practice of for years, really enjoyed. And, and it had always helped spark new ideas, gave me fresh perspective. And so I went for a run that day hadn't run for several months, and so of course it was just a, a painful experience, right, you know? And um, so just at the point where I was about to turn back, um, I came around a corner where the street opened up onto the mountains, and I, you know, I'm from Salt Lake City. I was running in the foothills, and so this was a view of the Ochre Mountain Range. It was golden hour, so it was just this beautiful, like 5 p.m. spring sunlight. And, and then when this breeze picked up, um, it blew all the petals off of a, a tree, a, a fruit tree or something. And they swirled around me and literally stopped in midair. And I could not explain it. I could not figure out what was going on. And it just arrested me in place. I, I stopped, 
I considered what was going on, but really it was like time had slowed, mm -hmm. right? It felt like minutes because in the, in the space of milliseconds, I'm sure, um, every thought left my head. I just felt this incredible euphoria. Uh, my body warmed up. I felt these tendrils of liquid pulsing through my brain, like something's going on, but I don't know what it is. And then just like that, the pedals collapsed, like they fell to the ground and I was on my way, but um, it was shocking. It was, it, it, but it gave me so much energy. And, and so where I was in pain before, suddenly I was um, just energized and fueled by, by this incredible moment. Talk a little bit about how you came up with these, and maybe it was partly for today's talk, but this idea of change of venue and wild perception and directed, directed attention. attention. And Everything real valuable. I uh, really enjoyed that. So this, um, in my talk, I mentioned that after I had this moment with the pedals, um, I ran another four miles. In those four miles, um, this is something that's never happened to me. I, I had what I've heard some people refer to as a download, where um, a model for what had just happened to me formed fully in my brain where I had practices that, that were helpful, the conditions that led to this experience, the, the physical, cognitive, and emotional factors that, that played a role into it and how, like the consequence of this, this thing. And, and so I had this model in my head and I just, as I read over the next month, I just found more and more support for this and what other people had written about experiences like this. Um, but I had also studied cognition a bit early on for my the work that I had done and had been exposed to things that, that helped me really say, okay, these things I experienced can be amplified by these things I've also heard about. And so I just developed practices for myself out of that experience and that, that framework that emerged that became really, really helpful in my own life. It's amazing and a little overwhelming to think that a single experience, sometimes just a single moment, as in Stormy's case, can shape the course of our lives. As dramatic as this is, I recognize the truth in this idea of practice. Like most things in our lives, what we provide room for, what we feed, what we spend time with, those are the things that grow and survive. The moments are sparks. The practice we devote can grow sparks into something much bigger. But sometimes it takes a little time for everything to line up. I went through this two-year period of such intense creative production. Book proposal, developed a workshop, I was doing some public speaking, and, and then I completely shifted. Um, I ended up working on a project with my ex-husband and my entire focus shifted to that and I just dropped everything else and, and it felt right. It felt like it wasn't the time to do that until I got an invitation to join the PhD program. Like I applied, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> you know but when they, when they said, come on they down. said come on down, um, and they said come study wonder because that was the thing. Oh my like gosh. I I didn't even plan to study it. Right. I told them I wanted to study leadership, but throughout the day I said, and by the way, I have this interest in wonder, and that was the thing that they kept saying. Well, that's the interesting thing. And so by the end of the day, I wasn't even talking about leadership. I, I just, wonder was the thing. Is, is wonder a window to meaning? 
It Why seems not? like people are having yeah. these great experiences and they're converting that. Either it can. It elevates or, mm-hmm. you know, that you can take meaning out of it. I think we have to remain open, but I think we have to spend some time thinking about these things and reflecting on them because something's only meaningful in context, mm-hmm. right? It, it's meaningful in relationship to something else happening in our lives. And it's when we take the time to understand that relationship that it gains significance. And so I, I don't think as a culture, we have developed practices of reflection and self-awareness. Um, but I think those are the things that, that really help us with building meaning in our lives. And, and wonder can be one of those things that sort of jolts us. Hi, Tricia. Hi. Welcome to Wake Up Call. Thanks for having Here me. Here we are at Creative Mornings Cleveland in the in the medical technology castle. Castle's uh, one word for it. It feels like a glass <laughs> castle here of, of ideas. Yeah, and, almost like a Superman's ice yeah, fortress. Yeah, uh, totally. I think we are all superheroes. And so, so Wonder Woman, are you a fan? Absolutely. Why did they choose Wonder? I mean, maybe because... She's such a powerful female figure, and I think women are really capable of embodying that sense of wonder. Right, And seeing the world around them in a really interesting way, and then taking that and doing creative, powerful things with it. Well, talk about wonder for you. Do you have a a creative outlet that brings you wonder and joy? Oh, I have lots of creative outlets. Okay. I reach for wonder every day. I have a daily practice where I write and draw at least once a day. Nice. And I normally do it late at night. And my roommates are asleep and I'm awake and everything's quiet and lovely and there's this sense of calm and I can access that creative magic. Talk about what that feels like when every, uh, the whole world's asleep and you're wide awake. Yeah, so I, I heard recently someone define worship as, as paying attention. Ah. And that's what I feel when I, I do that every night, when I take time to do that practice, is like worshiping my own creative power and the world's creative power and what that has to offer. For Tricia, finding wonder through ritual and paying attention or worshiping her craft, as she put it, is another way of putting wonder into practice. You're listening to Wake Up Call. We'll be right back. What's your favorite comic book? Trouble deciding between Little Bird or 30 Days of Night? Or maybe something more classic like Secret Wars or The First Shadow? Join George, Jason, and John as they talk about all things comics on the podcast Drawn and Paneled, spanning the 70s to today. That's Drawn and Paneled, a production of Gen X Grown Up. Welcome back to Wake Up Call. Today we're exploring wonder. Heather is a creative professional and a mom. She has a five-year-old son. And like Trisha and Stormy, she also does her best to practice wonder. There was this conversation today about the conditions of wonder. I thought that was really interesting. What do you think are some conditions of wonder for you in your life or in your life's work? I'm kind of a stand back and take it all in sort of person anyway, so that usually... So you're in the practice of wonder. Try to. The practice of pause. Yes. Well, it's hard sometimes. But then sometimes if you do pause too long, I found people would be like, hey, why do you take so long to talk? 
in this day and well, this, age, this world they expect is, you to be like... It's not designed for no, pause. No, it's not this world. designed for pause. And so, which can kind of squelch improvisation and thoughtfulness. Maybe it's why we have a mindfulness movement uh, afoot. It is. Right? Percolating. And something I found, too, like she's talked about this at the end, where the practice, you don't meditate and, oh, hey, I've reached nirvana. It's the practice. It's doing it. At the beginning of the episode, we mentioned growing up and how this growing up can sometimes cause us to wonder a little less each day. What is one of the most obvious reminders we have to slow down and wonder? Kids. Now, I know that kids can really make life hectic, but if we're able to, on occasion, get in their world a little bit, I think we can rediscover some of our own wonder. I mentioned Heather has a five-year-old son, so I asked her, when was the last time her son wondered? Last night, he had fallen asleep really early and I had to wake him up to go potty. So he was sitting on the potty. He goes, Mommy, do you know which animal makes no noise at all? Let me tell you what it is. It's a shark. I said, oh, okay, yeah, sharks don't make sound. And then he goes, how does a shark go? How do I answer this question? Well, he swims. Shark swims. So just that moment of, like, what is going through his head? We might all do well to have someone else think this about us from time to time. Wonder isn't about the obvious or the known. Wonder is big. It's full of possibilities. Is that maybe why we wonder less as we get older? Are we uncomfortable with enormity, with unknowns? Maybe we should start letting the children we interact with rub off on us a little more. Back to Stormy Schweitzer. She says it in a slightly more pointed fashion. I think we actively teach people, children, to stop wondering or, or like, why do you ask so many questions? Like, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, that's a clear message to stop wondering. Wow. This is what we do, isn't it? I don't want to make a massive generalization, but that sounds pretty common. Sometimes we just shut wonder down. But do you know how many people navigate this planet in, in uh, like, they're undercover. They're these undercover creatives and, and wonder-like beings that, that have been told they have to hide that part of themselves because it's not acceptable in the world of work or, you know, you have to grow up, you have to be responsible, you have to be all of these things. And that's what we teach kids. And so by the time we get to high school, right, we've... Suppression. Yeah, we've, we've already learned that you have to show up in a particular way if you want to be accepted. And, and so wonder stops. We end up conforming to what we find to be acceptable to others. And often that means shedding the parts of ourselves that are probably most valuable to us. What are the consequences of losing wonder? I can't help but think how my world would be different if that weren't the case. I wondered and imagined and dreamt of all kinds of things as a kid. I like to think that I still have a lot of that, but I'm not sure. It's, it's different now. Maybe that's okay. Maybe I need to reclaim some of my own wonder. It seems that as we grow up, we all succumb to some degree of, you know, getting real. I love this quote by Van Gogh, and I'm going to try and remember it a little more often. Here's how it goes. I know nothing with any certainty, but the sight of the stars makes me dream. There's another quote. 
And if I get this right, it says, when nothing is certain, everything is possible. And one of the beautiful things that Thomas Fox, the leader for Creative Mornings Cleveland's would say is we're all creative. And we really have to let all these rules go and uh, let the sparks drive. I think we can all take some inspiration from Van Gogh and look up at the stars every once in a while. Listeners might appreciate this. I grew up in rural Geauga County outside of Cleveland, maybe an hour east. We could ride our big wheels and our, and our green machines down to the Lawson's to get ourselves a bomb pop or a push-up popsicle and drag our hollow plastic, you know, toy trikes up the hill, up the sidewalk. We had an old wagon that my buddy Lance and I would get on top of with a quarter-inch thin plywood deck and these flywheels. It was an old newspaper delivery wagon that my grandfather had built. We'd get on top of this hill at the end of the... It was really a subdivision. It was sort of a suburban-style neighborhood with two miles of woods behind it, so it was the best of both worlds, I guess. And we'd ride this wagon down the hill as fast as we can go. Most times we'd lose control, and the whole point was wondering what would happen at the bottom of the hill. We knew that it was about a 90% chance that we would crash. Now, if we really got going fast enough and could hold control of this wagon, we'd hit a large dirt pile at the end of the cul-de-sac that then dropped off maybe 10 feet, and we would ramp like Calvin and Hobbes into the sky, laughing on our way to sure bruise and, and pile up battered landing. And uh, there was all kinds of that. And I do remember where wonder really took off for me outside of starting art lessons at an early age and really enjoying that. Uh, was seeing uh, my dad build a uh, sandbox. I remember the day they brought that dump truck in and backed it up through our backyard, through the trees, because it was very tight and dumped that entire dump truck of sand into my sandbox. And I would be out in that sandbox some days, all day. Then my mother would actually bring me lunch out to the sandbox, just me. A lot of times my cousins, some neighborhood friends, we would just, just make these giant castles and mountains and you dig all the way under and then it would fall on your arms all the way up to your shoulder, that cold sand. And you'd share the sandbox with infinite number of bugs and, <laughs> you know, hickory nuts and uh, daddy long legs. You just let them walk all over your arms. And uh, it was a thing that maybe reminds me that I'm always going to be that kid in the sandbox. We didn't have a lot of things, uh, but we had wonder. Wake Up Call is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, a proud member of the Front Porch Media Network. Special thanks to executive producers Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya, producer and audio director Dave Douglas, account manager Connor Standish. Thanks to 2Bob Crew for the use of their song Rooster, available on iTunes. And if you would, please like and review this program. It really helps. Learn more about this and other podcasts from Evergreen at evergreenpodcasts.com. 
Wake Up Call, Ideas That Crow. Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.